Amen. Good morning, family. It's a great week for us as we uh, head into uh, the, the Christmas Day this week, by the end of the week. And, and as we ought to do, um, I, I'd like to bring us back to the reason for the season. And as we, we look at everything that's going on, it's easy to get caught up and all the ancillary things that are going on. Uh, we look forward to spending time with our friends and family, and that's fantastic and important. What a great time it is for us just to join with them and to be able to uh, share stories, reminisce, and create new memories. And so that's always something to look forward to. We, we have all the presents that come, and this can be a stressful time of year. Like, what should I get for this person or that? Or what do I get for the person who has everything? Uh, what am I going to get? Let's not forget that part. Like, are they going to get me the thing that was on the top of my list so that I can enjoy it? Uh, what, what else is going on? Uh, or maybe you're driving or taking a plane, traveling to, to be with your loved ones, but amongst all, oh, and, and I can't forget about the food, by the way. You know I had to bring that part up, but that's near and dear to my heart or stomach. You know, uh, am I going to have my favorite dishes, the nice desserts and cookies and things of that nature? But as we're doing all these things, it's really important. It's vitally important that we remember what we are celebrating, who we are celebrating. And I don't want this to get lost in the midst of everything else that's going on. And now, obviously, we should be thinking about Christ and who he is every moment of every day. Uh, but as we celebrate his birth, we should just think about it that much more. And also have our eyes and our sights on eternity. You know, while you're opening gifts, the things that you'll, you'll have there, uh, you might enjoy it. Or you think about your kids, so you get them the, the perfect gift and it costs a lot of money and they play, they're playing with the box. You know, those things that we, we open up on Christmas Day, those things are momentary. You'll have some enjoyment for a time and then you'll forget about it. It'll sit on the shelf and it'll grow dusty. But when we focus our eyes, our minds, and attention on Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for us, then we can have hope that endures for much longer than that present you opened up. We would have joy that would last far longer even after we've parted ways with our friends and family. When we have our eyes and sight on eternity and who Jesus Christ is and what he's done, then it helps us to get through the day-to-day -day that comes up in our lives. I want us to focus on our mission that Christ has for us today. I want us to encounter Christ. You want to come with me? You want to encounter Christ with me? I hope you do. Yes? Amen. I'll, I'll catch you later. I mean, say something. <laughs> Let's encounter Christ together. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 11 here this morning. It says, uh, so setting sail from Trous, we made a direct voyage. The we is the missionaries that are on their journey. And remember, they're trying to identify where it is that Christ wants them to go so they can share the good news. And so they're setting sail from Trous, uh, made a direct voyage, voyage to uh, Samothrace and 
following the day to uh, Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city for some days. Here um, we see the naming of Philippi. This should be very familiar for us if you've done any reading in the New Testament. Uh, one of the letters that Paul has written is to the church at Philippi. Um, and this is, um, he writes this letter about 10 years later after this particular event that takes place. Philippi, as the text tells us, is a Roman colony that had been taken over by Philip the Macedonian. Uh, Philip is, he liked himself quite a bit, so I figured, let me name a city after myself so people would remember who I am. Philip of Macedonia was the father of Alexander the Great, so let's pull some history if you learned about Alexander the Great and his conquering mission um, through the various parts of the world. Um, this was his father, um, and, and it took place in the 4th century B.C., uh, so Roman, uh, the Romans took over this particular city around 168 B.C., and it later became known as Little Rome because they had so many people from Rome there. They built things up in a way that it was uh, very similar to what people were accustomed to in Rome. As we read on in this chapter, Luke, he, he only highlights a few people who are converted to the gospel. These missionaries, they probably stayed for a while. There probably was a ton of people that have been converted, but uh, Luke uh, sets our, our sights and attention on these particular folks. And as we've seen throughout Acts, we've seen God is, is very deliberate. He's very uh, uh, intentional about breaking down barriers in order to reach the people from various walks of life. You know, the, so there, there's nobody outside of God's reach. The gospel is for everyone. And uh, the, the text is continually put this in front and center for us so that we remember that nobody is going to be left aside. The three that we see highlighted here in our text this morning are, is a woman named Lydia. There's a slave girl and a Roman jailer. Now, Lydia was Asian. She was wealthy and came to faith by hearing the, the preached word. Whereas the slave girl, uh, she was Greek. She was poor, tormented by evil spirits and came to faith through uh, dramatic exorcism. And then finally, the jailer uh, who was Roman, he was blue collar and it was very indifferent about the gospel. He could take it or leave it. You know, he kind of subscribed to it, but kind of not. And he came to faith through witnessing a miracle. Now, I want you to keep this in mind as we read through the text. Look with me in, in verse 13. It says, On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed among us. Philippi, um, 
they didn't have a Jewish synagogue. So as the, the missionaries were there looking for a place of worship, you know, they, they uh, said, well, there's no synagogues here. And so they went to the next logical place. And well, there's some people over here praying. Let's go here and kind of see what they're talking about. Let's go in and join them where they are. And this is where they meet a woman named Lydia. As the text says, she was born in Thyatira, which was a province of Asia, and she sold purple goods. Now, this may fall on deaf ears today, but back in this time, if you sold purple goods, that was a big deal. So basically, this is saying, is telling us that Lydia was pretty wealthy. You know, she had a lot of, in her bank account, she did really well as an entrepreneur uh, in this time because purple goods were expensive. So these goods were associated with royalty and she was getting paid, let's put it that way. She was doing all right. Lydia, as an entrepreneur, uh, and despite all of her success, she was still looking for something. She has this big house, she's got servants, she's got friends and, and family, but there was still something missing for her. Can you resonate with this? And you have all these things that are happening and, and all these markers of success, but it's just not fulfilling. Something was missing for her. And so we've heard this from Solomon, who was very wise and um, had everything that you could hope for. And he says himself that everything is vapor, is breath. It's just like there in a minute and gone the next. And so here we see this playing out in the life of Lydia. Lydia was a lot like Cornelius that we read about earlier. Uh, she wasn't Christian, but she was someone who was seeking after God. And as she's listening to Paul, she's like, hey, man, this is, this sounds, there's something about this. I don't know if you've experienced this uh, in, in the church service or where, you know, the, 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 the word is being preached and you feel like, are they talking to me? Are they following me around? Do they have cameras up and in my house and they see me struggling? Why is this resonating so much with me? And I imagine Lydia felt in a similar, similar way where when Paul was preaching, things were resonating with her and she starts to pay close attention. Her heart is being opened up and God opens her spiritual eyes so that she can embrace Jesus Christ as Poor Lord, God worked on Lydia and gave her a new heart and a new life as she heard the gospel. Man, this is so sweet. This is so beautiful as, as, she, as she's like hearing this for the first time. And even though she knew of God and, and probably heard some similar things along the way, but when, when Paul came and God speaks his words through Paul, she encounters the risen Savior. And she's like, oh, it makes sense now. Yeah, I want, I want that Jesus. I want to follow him. I'm so grateful for him giving up his life for me. Me? He's already blessed me so much, I imagine Lydia saying. And, and he went the extra mile by giving up his life for me on the cross. Imagine how grateful she is. And I hope that, that those of you who follow Christ and, and walk with him experience the same measure of grace in your own lives. If you aren't a Christian today, I pray that you would listen to the gospel being preached. Better yet, 
Read it for yourself. If you don't know Christ today, I'm urging you to, to, to taste and see that the Lord is good. If you don't follow him just yet, if you've got questions, if you've got concerns, go to his word. Let him speak to you through the text. And I'm here, we have deacons here that can help you along that journey so you can understand, you know, kind of what we're talking about here. Well, why do we follow Christ? What, what has he done for us? What are some specific, tangible things that we can point to uh, to show you how good God is? And I'm sure we've got a lot of other saints here in the building that can tell you the same thing. I urge you to ask the question so that you might be able to know a great place to start is right here in the book of Acts. You can also uh, go to the book of John. It's an, also an, a good place to start if you've not read the Bible at all. These are some great places to start your reading. But like Lydia, I believe that the Lord will do something in your heart if you listen and read. I believe that very firmly. For Christians in the house, if you, you, you really need to remember um, that it's the Lord that actually does the work. You know, we, we, sometimes we, we're Christians so long that we just, uh, it, it becomes in the background and we just kind of have some expectations and we don't really think and consider uh, what the Lord is doing in our own lives so that we can give him um, uh, uh, the, the, everything that he deserves. So we can lift him up on high and give him the recognition. So for Christians here this morning, we need to understand and, and recognize who is actually doing the work that he uses people who are faithful messengers of the gospel so that we might be able to know him. Uh, you didn't wake up this morning all on your own. You're not breathing. None of you are thinking about breathing in and out right now. It's because of the work that, that the Lord Jesus is doing, that he's doing all that for you that he's blessing you along the way. Even when times are rough, the Lord is still there. And that's, that's the reason that we can have joy in the midst of everything that comes up. So here we see in the text um, that Lydia is believing, she's baptizing, and she goes and tells her whole household. Um, one other thing that we should recognize is that um, there's a Lydia in your life I hope there's a Lydia in your life, somebody that is, is following Jesus, understood what he's, what he's doing, and wants to go and proclaim that and tell you about how good he is and what he's doing. And that, that Lydia, uh, even before uh, she encounters Christ, before this clicks for her, there's, there's somebody in your life that's just waiting for you to tell them your testimony so that they can be transformed as well. So once she goes and she's baptized, she tells her whole household and all the people there that worked in her house, they also became to believe, and there's a domino effect. Man, uh, there's somebody waiting on you that, that is waiting to hear. Uh, God has uniquely given you uh, the words to say and how to say them for a particular person in your life so that we can see the same domino effect happen like we see in, in Lydia's household. They come and say, well, let me tell you about what we learned about in church the other day. Is this, this is something that just stood out to me? Can I share this with you? And, and for them to listen and their, their eyes all of a sudden to be opened, their hearts to be changed. Lydia is also a great example of hospitality and generosity. She does 
is by opening up her house, and her house becomes a gathering place for the church. Brothers and sisters, our homes are a great tool for ministry. We need to practice hospitality in order to serve the church. Our goal is not necessarily to get to people in these doors here. These days, people don't care about church. They're, they don't want to set foot inside of a church building, but I tell you what, if you're a friend to them, if you're loving on them, if they see the light of Christ through you, they'll be more than happy to come through your doors. And what an opportunity that you'll have to not only break bread with them, share some coffee or tea, but also to share the good news with them. And then, after that, then they might be open to coming through the doors of the church, but first, you have this tool as a missionary here in Bolingbrook to invite people to show hospitality to them by inviting them over to your house. I hope that we will be exercising that. I, I hope that each of us will use our homes to, in order to serve others in the same way that Lydia does here in the text. Let's jump to verse 16. It says, And as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a, a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, calling out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, <laughs> turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. This girl could not be more different than Lydia. This girl was a fortune teller and lots of people would pay money and come from various places in order to hear about their future. Not only was she possessed by, uh, uh, owned by these slave owners, but she, she was just treated like property. And they, they saw this demon in her and they're like, well, we can make money through this. And so they just trotted her along like she was property even though she was saying true things, because this can be a little um, uh, deceiving. Well, why was Paul so annoyed? All she's saying is, is that these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. That's true, right? So what's Paul's beef? Is he just mad? I mean, he's, is he tired of traveling? You know, when you travel for a while, you start to get upset and you just want to get to the destination. Is this what Paul is, is dealing with? What's the problem? What is going on? Even though she was saying some true things, it was actually Satan's attempt to derail the missionaries by making it look like they were in alignment. He, the, the, she was saying some true things that people knew about the fortune telling, and they say, well, by aligning uh, and saddling up with these folks, uh, talking about Jesus and the gospel, uh, maybe we can, you know, bring over that crowd too. It will make them, maybe we can resonate with these other folks and make even more money. So Paul got this. He's like, no, nah, you're not going to glom off what we're doing. You're not going to come over here and get us mixed up and confuse the people. No, 
And we see this in other places in Scripture where Jesus rebukes these demons even when they say true things about Jesus. Mark 1 and 24 says, uh, uh, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, Be silent and come out. We see other uh, places within the Scripture text that, that we see the same thing happening. But Paul gets so annoyed by Satan's attempt, he turns around and frees her. He comes, comes around and, and says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. It was through Christ's power that this girl was delivered. Again, a great reminder for us that we don't do anything in our own power. That when, when things happen in our lives, any matter of success, that we should always attribute that back to God. And he could have very well have taken the credit for, her, for this, this thing happening, but he was sure to point people back to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's a good lesson for us here today. Her owners, they were big mad because they, were, they just saw their, their cash cow just leave as instantly as it came out. That he just frees her and now they don't know what to do. So in just that moment, she has a new owner. They saw it like night and day. She's not going to follow us anymore. She's going to follow this Jesus guy the one that is the good shepherd, the one that his name is Jesus and he is the Christ. Christ frees her from physical bondage and gives her peace and he gives her joy, gives her freedom, he gives her rest. Man, imagine this woman just being trotted around and probably in chains and uh, ordered to do this and that. And now all of a sudden when she's delivered, just the, the, the relief that she feels having this demon leave her. And now she's not any longer being controlled by these people. When we think about salvation, we all often think about it happening uh, like what it did with Lydia. We, we imagine coming to a church service and uh, hearing the word be preached and uh, people resonating with the word. They, they raise their hand, they walk the aisle, they say a prayer. This is what we usually typically think of when we think about salvation. But let me tell you, uh, Christ can do miraculous things. He can do miraculous things to just, uh, just like he did with this slave girl to make lives change from one instant to the next. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what kind of bondage that you're in today. We don't like to talk about our bondage, but we should. Because when we are vulnerable to one another and talk about our, our trials and tribulations, or the things that, that are, have us enslaved or in bondage, the temptations that we try to endure through, then we can come together as a family and support one another. Or better yet, when, when Christ brings you out on the other side and that testimony is, is in the front so everybody can see. And we can see, man, Man, you should have been there. You, Yvonne was going through all this kind of stuff, and, and we just prayed on him and loved him and, and, and went on, and we just saw God work through it, and now he's here. 
because of who Jesus Christ is. Man, when, when, when Tim was going through all the, the heart issues and in and out of the hospital, we prayed over him and we thought about him, we, we encouraged him, we called him and loved on him. And, and now he's, he's just that much better because of who Jesus Christ is. When, when Lee discovered that he had cancer and we, we didn't know what was going to do and he had all this industry that was being sucked from him and heart issues are going on and we, we prayed about it, we went to the Lord and, and gave it all to him. And now Lee's out hunting, just like he always likes to do. Man, when we are vulnerable and open to, to share what is going on in our lives, we get to see God, God's handiwork through it all. And that gets to be a testimony. But we need to talk about that more. If, you, if you're having any kind of struggle, it's, I know it's tough. I know it's tough, but when we... We get to talk about it, and we, we pray about it. We pray through it. We get to see God work. And I tell you what, there's going to be somebody uh, that has already gone through what you're going through, and by you sharing, they can help support you and encourage you. And then when you come through it, there's going to be somebody behind you that is trying to endure through very similar things, and you'll be there to tell them how good God is and how he worked in your life. Jesus can break your addictions. He can set you free from alcohol. He can set you free from drugs, pornography, negative thinking, depression. It doesn't matter what you are dealing with. Jesus is Lord of all. He is in control. God's got this. It doesn't matter what you're doing and what you're dealing with. He can do it for the slave girl. He can do it for you. The owners of the girl, they were so mad that they went and said that Paul and Silas were causing trouble. <laughs> yeah, they, you got that right. They're causing trouble for them. They just, he just broke their business. Their whole business model has gone away because of Paul and Silas. But as they were talking, the crowds came in and they started attacking the missionaries. The magistrates ordered that these men be beaten with rods. Man, uh, can you imagine that? Uh, you, you do something, you're going and sharing the good news, and instead of going to, I mean, we, we, we call things persecution nowadays, but let me tell you, th this is persecution. This is what it looks like when you share the good news and they beat you with rods. We don't have to be concerned. Praise God, we don't have to be concerned about this measure here where we are. The jailers then take the missionaries and beat them some more. The jailers beat the missionaries to a bloody pulp and put them in a dungeon and chain them to the wall. This puts things in perspective. I don't know about you, but it does for me. When I'm concerned about it, and I'll just be honest, I talk about vulnerability. You know, when it comes to uh, God opening a door for me to share the good news, I'm concerned about a 15-minute conversation. Maybe they will look at me different or maybe they'll say no and like they're rejecting me or maybe they won't like me. Well, that's way on the other side when you look at this in perspective of what could be taking place. We've got brothers and sisters across the pond who are dealing with real persecution. They're, they're losing their houses and it's very similar to what we're seeing here in the text. They're being jailed. They're being beaten having their lives taken away. We need to be in prayer for those brothers and sisters. And that should embolden us here today because we, we don't have to deal with that. And even if we did, the risk is worth it.
Jesus is worth it. To have one person come to Christ and be able to follow him and have their lives changed is worth anything else. And I tell you what, if you're a believer in Christ, the, what's better comes on the other side and we get to be with him forever and eternity. That's what we should be looking forward to as these things go. But here, missionaries are going through and they've gotten beaten. They're uh, thrown in a dungeon. They're chained to the wall. And what do they do? If, if I put myself in this situation, I'd be crying, I'd be boo-hooing, and man, i just like, why, Lord, why did you do this? What are you doing to me? Well, what did they do? Let's look in verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They were singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. How do you find the courage and strength to be able to do this. And you remember Peter when he got arrested a few chapters ago. What did he do? He fell asleep. He's chained to another uh, uh, guy, another Roman soldier. And he knocked out sleep. <laughs> this is how deep their faith in God was. They knew that God has got this. They, they knew that God would endure, help them endure through whatever was coming about. And they were, hey, I'm, getting, I'm sacrificing these things. It must mean I'm doing something right if I'm, I'm facing this type of persecution. So they're praying and they're singing hymns. If you remember from Acts 12 and 6, again, with, with Peter where... Herod was about to bring him out on that very night. Peter was sleeping between the two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door uh, were being guarded in the prison. And their faith was so deep that in Christ that they expressed their faith by singing. They expressed their faith by praying. They sing psalms. They quote scripture. They are praying. And I'm sure these guards are wondering. They're listening like, what is wrong with these boys? Like, what's gotten into them? What are they even talking about? What are they singing about? They probably were eavesdropping, like, well, this, this got to be good. Like, what, what are these, what are they doing? So they were listening in. Verse 26, and suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and, and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we're all here. The jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Whew. Man, what a testimony this is. And they're listening to this happening. I don't know how long they were singing and praying and all this stuff going on. And, but finally, this jailer falls asleep until he's shaken awake, literally. There's this earthquake that shakes the ground. He sees the doors open. And if you're a Roman soldier, if you're a guard, you better do your job. You better do it right. They did not accept mistakes. If you let a, let a prisoner go, they escaped you don't get a slap on the wrist. You get your life taken. If you're not good at your job, 
then they were just either going to get rid of you literally and get somebody else who could do the job better. So knowing this, this soldier's like, well, that's it for me. I may as well end it myself. I'm done. Paul says, wait. Now we're all here, here in the counter for. Countdown, one, two, three, four. We're, we're here. Don't, don't kill yourself. You don't have to worry. And man, this jailer, imagine, like what, what is happening? What did I walk into today? These guys are here. We beat them. They, they shouldn't even be awake, but here they are singing and, and praying. And then this earthquake happens. The doors open. Their, their chains are gone. And instead of leaving, they're staying like, there's something going on here. And I want to know what it is. I want to know what's happening. And I love this part. One of my favorite verses in text. Verse 30, it says, they, he brought them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the words of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he believed in God. Wow. Think about the, what's happening in the course of the day. The jailer knows about the slave girl because that's, I mean, that's how this all started. He hears about this thing that takes place with the slave girl is walking around and she's a fortune teller and all of a sudden to flip the script and she's a whole different person. This so-called demon is taken out of her and I'm sure he's kind of questioning like what's, what really happened with the slave girl. The magistrate said, hey, beat them up, put them in jail. So he comes and he does his job. He does what he's supposed to do. He's hearing the songs that Paul and Silas are singing. It's like, man, what... Who is this God that keeps talking about? Who are they praying to? There, he, he hears all this stuff, and then the earth shakes. Wakes him up out of his sleep. He's, he's like, there's definitely something going on. There is definitely something happening. The only reasonable question for him to ask is, sirs, what must I do to be saved? How do I have what you have? How can I endure the pain that you have endured? How do I have hope like you have hope? How do I have faith like you have faith? How, how do I get there to be with you? Paul's ready. He says, let me tell you about Jesus. Man, I wish that'd be one of us. I wish that, that, that people would see our testimony as they encounter us through life and ask us similar questions. How do you have so much hope in the midst of this pandemic and everything that's going on? How are you still walking around happy with that mask on? How are you staying and you're not afraid of what's going to happen? How, how are you uh, dealing with all this financial strife in life and, and are still encouraged? 
through all this political drama that's going on, how do you keep your focus and still be joyful? How can I have what you have? I want people to be saying that about you. When they encounter you, like, how can you have that mindset? I want to know because I want that too. Do people see the light of Christ through you? Do they see that you're different than everybody else? That's what the, the, the sanctification means, that God is, is working on you. It said you're holy and set apart. You're different from the rest of the world. Paul says, let me tell you about Jesus. And in an instant, the jailer is transformed. He, he turns around, he starts washing their wounds, and he gives them something to eat. And then like Lydia, he uses his house as a tool and he opens it up and he's sharing in his hospitality. And then we see the rest of his house profess their faith in Christ as well. Man, we've got here three very different people encountering Christ in very different ways. And if you number the people that we have here today, those of you who are online, there's that number plus more, multiply by more, just very different ways that people will encounter Christ in, in your own life. We're reminded that no one is beyond the reach of God's saving power. The gospel, it also unifies us. It's a real easy thing to forget about in our social media and political world. Everybody's trying to pit one against the other, but the gospel should unify us. The gospel unifies the different kind of people from different walks of life, different family structures. This is the reason for the season. What would it look like for you in your family gatherings this week that instead of turning to politics, instead of turning to what's right, wrong, or indifferent with the pandemic and the restrictions and all that kind of stuff, how would it look for us to have a conversation about who Jesus Christ is? That you can flip the script when everybody's up in arms talking about, well, the governor should and shouldn't do this, and we oughtn't, and we're losing our freedoms. And let, Man, Jesus paid the price for us already. It's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross that we can have freedom, that we can have joy in the midst of everything that's going on today. You may think you're losing your freedom because you have to wear a mask, but I tell you what, Jesus paid the price and he freed us all. That we are no longer slaves to sin. And we get to look forward to being with him forever in eternity. Let's focus on that. I'll talk, stop talking about that Bible stuff. Keep going. Keep going and keep letting them know who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. And maybe just planting that seed You'll be with them, and maybe they'll call you next week. Like, I just started thinking about what, what you just said. It just hit me. I'm so stressed because of all the things that are going on in my life and stuff in my job and things in the world. But, man, I, I, I respect because you're, you're just so calm about it, and I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know more about this, this gospel. Sirs, 
madams, what must I do to be saved? Let's pray. Lord God, I hope this will be top of mind for us. This week as we celebrate the greatest gift ever given, that we just don't treat it as a thing that we do. That we, we think about it and we let it resonate deeply within our souls. And that we would uh, talk about it as if it is the greatest thing that we let people know and, and have as a reminder, this is not a byproduct of everything else that we're doing. This, this uh, is, is a great magnitude. This has eternal implications. Father, we turn to you as we seek to enjoy our time with friends and family this week and, and, and share in meals and, and presents and gifts and memories and all those things, but help us to give you gratitude Help us to, to continue to lift your name on high and give you the praise for which you rightly deserve. Because without your birth, without your life, without your death, the things will be totally different for us. That we would not have this hope. We would not have or be able to have the, the amount of joy that is provided through your finished work. Help us to meditate on this this week and not just only for ourselves, but uh, all the people that we come to contact with this week, that they would be able to hear the good news and we would be able to hear those sweet, lovely words. What must I do to be saved? Uh, we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.